0: Thank you for listening to The Revealed Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Durham. We're recording in our studio located in Thomasville, Georgia. We hope the story you will hear today will encourage you and help you find hope. Iris Brum is my guest today. Iris, tell us how old you are. Um, I'm 19 years old. Okay. And where do you live? I
1: live in Cairo, Georgia. And what do you do? I'm a student at University of
0: West Georgia right now. Have you been home for a little while? Yeah, I've been home for a while (laughs) in quarantine. Yes, what's that been like being back at home?
1: It's weird after going off to school and having freedom and just being able to do what you want and then coming home and having to stay inside for,
0: for a long time. It's really weird. Yeah, and are you guys supposed to start back in the fall? Yes, we are supposed to be starting back in the fall. Wonderful. So what are you doing the rest of the summer?
1: Um, I've been looking at jobs, but it's really hard to get jobs right now. So I'm just completing, um, I'm doing a summer course um, and getting two classes
0: out of the way. Awesome. Well, good. All right, so... One thing that I do when I have guests in the studio is I like to ask them just random questions. And I have a box of random questions that sometimes my family will pull out when we're having dinner and we just need conversation. And so here is your random question, Iris. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right. What is your proudest accomplishment?
1: I think my proudest accomplishment is just graduating high school and getting into college and having a year already completed in high school and being able to be an honor graduate i think that's one of my biggest accomplishments and I'm just really proud of myself for getting through all that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That is a lot to be proud of.
1: Yeah. Um when I was in high school I was working two jobs, a full time dancer, full time cheerleader, was in and out of band and a college student. So
0: I'm happy I was able to get everything completed. Absolutely. Now I got to see you dance and let me just tell you guys, she is an incredible incredible dancer. Thank you. And I, I think I've seen you cheer too. I think I've been to a Cairo game or two. Um, one of the kind of interesting things about Cairo is your mascot. So tell me a little bit about the Cairo High School mascot.
1: Um, we're the syrup makers. <laughs> yeah I love my mascot. Everyone at my college thinks it's so weird but I love
0: it so much. I love that I get
1: to say I'm a syrup
0: maker. I remember going to one of the football games, and there were young men wearing overalls, and they were called the Syrup Boys, Yeah, and they would stir the syrup throughout Mm -hmm. the football game. Yeah. That was so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, we're real country. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that. So what was it like growing up in Cairo? Um, It was very simple, you know, very country,
1: very... Just, you know, you can go out in your backyard and not worry. Go out in the neighborhood. And, you know, now that I'm in the city, it's so different, you know, from how I was raised. But I love being raised in the country. And I always say, like, when I do have children, I want to let them grow up in the country because it's so much fun. You have a lot
0: of fun in the country. (laughs) Yeah. Now, what about siblings? Have you got siblings?
1: Yes. I have an older sister and an older brother. Okay. All right.
0: And, um, Did you guys get along well when you were growing up? Well, we're all eight years
1: apart. So all of us really had a chance to be an only child, like, once in our lives. Mainly me. I had a lot of time to be an only child. So we don't really fight that much because of the space in between us. You know, we get along really good. Like, my brother, he's my best friend, and my sister's also, like, we're, like, the same person. So, you know, we're very, very, very close with each other. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, you lived all of your years in Cairo. You never lived any place different, right? Same house my whole life. Okay, okay. And um, your mom still lives in Cairo? Yes, she does. Okay, all right. And she works for the school system? Yeah, she's the assistant superintendent. Okay, all right. Well, she's... Uh, she's had to work with some challenges yeah. through COVID, hasn't she? Yeah,
1: <laughs> she has. But she's still working really hard. Still, She still gets up, goes to work every day, and she's doing really good. So, And she hasn't gotten the corona yet. So,
0: Yay! <laughs> That's always good. Yeah. So um, when you look back at life growing up in Cairo, what were some just monumental things that happened in your growing up years?
1: Um, I think some, like,
0: great things
1: that happened growing up was just learning the importance of, like, family in Cairo since we are, like, we're already a really small town. um, I just learned the importance of, like, being there for my siblings and being there with my siblings. And me and my mom, we're just, we're literally, like, best friends. Like, we tell each other everything. And, you know, anytime something happens, we're the first person that we go to. So you know, growing up in a small town has just taught me the importance of being close because I wasn't really distracted by other things, you know, like big things that you would probably see in a big city. You know, I was just always home with my mom and always hanging out with her and doing things with her. And that was a great lesson that I've learned growing.
0: Yeah. And you guys had to overcome some hardships.
1: Yeah. My dad passed away when I was six years old to, um, cancer
0: and do you remember um being told that your dad was sick um my mom never really told me i just kind of knew that he it was
1: he was walking with the cane it was really hard for him to get around and he was very weak and i remember him having to go to the doctor a lot my mom taking him to go to chemo and everything and I just kind of knew, like, okay, like, your dad's sick, but it was never a time where my mom, like, sat me down and told me that he was sick, because she didn't want me to, like, look at him any differently or think there was something wrong with him and, you know, be scared, because, you know, at a young age, little you know, little girls can be scared of stuff like that, and she didn't Mm -hmm. want that to happen to me.
0: Yeah, and so you were able to just go to school as a normal little girl would do and have a pretty normal life even though he was sick for a period of how many years? Um, he
1: was sick for about three years. Yeah I was always the first one home because I lived right across the street from my elementary school and I'd always be the first one home and he would um, be home so that would just be our time to spend with each other and I'd always run in his room and he'd be in the bed and I'd just you know lay with him for a little bit and we would we spent a lot of time you know, when he was sick, so that was good.
0: Yeah, that's really special, and good memories for you now. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me about a trip that you guys took, and I know when you have somebody in your family, and they're sick, and they're going through something really difficult, it's nice to just get away. Yeah. And so you guys decided you were going to take just a, a trip somewhere, and what ended up happening when you guys took off on that truck?
1: We were going to North Carolina to go to the mountains and we kind of knew it was going to be my last vacation with my dad but you know we were hoping for the best but in the back of our heads we knew it was probably going to be the last one. So we wanted to take two weeks and go up there and on the way there we got in a really bad car wreck and um, we ran off the um, interstate. We went we went through three lanes and went off the interstate and we hit A oak tree um, head on Um, and my dad, he was supposed to fly through the um, windshield because he wasn't able to wear a seatbelt because he had, you know, like he had had a liver transplant so he couldn't wear a seatbelt and he was going to fly through the windshield but my mom's ancient Dell laptop was in the trunk and it flew over my head and it hit my dad in the face and knocked him back into a seat and that's what saved his life
0: man that i can't imagine how frightening that must have been to have been a little girl car careening across the median and not knowing where you were gonna land and but everybody was able to walk away or yeah. maybe be carried off in a stretcher but checked out and everybody ended up being okay
1: yeah, my brother, he went and he got he got my mom first, and then he came, got me, and then he went and he got my dad. And the whole time, he had severely bruised ribs. Like, they, they thought that they were broken, but my brother was able to get all of us out of the car because they were scared that the car was going to explode and catch on fire. So, he was able to get us out safely.
0: Now, were you guys able to, um, after you got checked out at the hospital and figured out that everybody was fine and could move forward. Were you guys still able to have that last vacation together?
1: Yes, we were. We got a um, rental car, and I remember this like it was yesterday. We were at the gas station, and my um, mom told my brother to take me inside to the bathroom, and I was crying. I was like, I don't, I do not want to go on this trip. Like, I just want to go home. And my brother was like, Iris, stop saying that. We're going on the trip now. Stop crying so that they don't change their mind. And I stopped, and I'm really glad that I did because
0: I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, and so how much time elapsed after that trip before he passed away?
1: The trip was in July, and he passed away in October.
0: And he was at home when he passed away, so he was able to be in, at home and comfortable? And
1: Yeah, he was at home um, after he had the liver transplant there, they said there was no more cancer in his body. And, you know, we were really excited. We were really happy. And um, we, he went back, and it was in his spine. So, there was nothing that they could do at that point. So, they just gave us, like, a couple months. And my dad said he didn't want to do the treatment anymore. He he was just, you know, over it. He'd you been know. through a lot. Yeah, and he was just ready to be at rest and at ease of all that pain that he was going through. So, he just stayed home and, you know, and he passed away at home.
0: And did your mom go back to work um, a couple of months after that or did she get right back into a routine and get you kids back into a routine or do you remember
1: yeah she she did a great job Um, getting us back to normal and getting us back to a normal life she went straight back to work and within a year maybe she was offered the assistant principalship at Kara High School and that's what started her getting assistant principal at Washington and then principal and now she's assistant superintendent so yeah about a year after that was when she got that offer so if she wouldn't have went back to work then she would have never gotten the opportunities that she's gotten now
0: Do you think it's important for little kids who are going through something difficult to get back into a routine as soon as they can?
1: Yeah, it's the best thing, but honestly, I feel like I did, I tried to get back to normal too fast. Um, Instead of taking the time and completely understanding what happened and completely, you know, getting all of my emotions out and in doing that, I wanted to be back normal as soon as I could, and I just kind of rushed back in and just kind of forgot about everything, you know, because I just, I I wanted to be normal again. I didn't want to sit and sulk and be sad, and I feel like I did it too early, and it caught back up with me, you know, a couple years later, and um, I would just be sad, and like, I'm like, dang, I've never been like this before. I've never just cried about, you know, my dad before like this, and I just thought about it. It was all those years of me bottling that up and not letting it out.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what it came from. Almost like a delayed grief. Yeah, yeah. And when you were growing up, were there certain times when you would really miss your dad? Um, Definitely this year has been one of the hardest years. Um, my family really,
1: really stepped in for me to help me out. Like my... Um, My uncle took me to the father and daughter dance the first year, and then my brother was able to take me all the rest of the years, and my mom showed up to donuts for dads, you know, for me, so they jumped in really fast to, like, to make me feel like I wasn't really missing out, you know, but um, now that I've graduated and went to college and, you know, had my college move-in day and him not being there, it's just been really, like, really hard for me, like knowing that he's not there, he's not going to be there to walk me down the aisle. Like, I'm kind of coming face-to-face face with everything, and um, I never thought that I would be going through that my senior year, but that
0: was that was when it really hit me. Yeah. I know um, when you guys do your senior dances, that always hits me because I always get so sad thinking that if somebody has lost a parent, that parent's not there to watch that lost that last dance because we participated in that with you and I can just remember those times being really touching or you know coming off the stage after just doing a great dance and I'm thinking that you know just know you just know in the back of your mind you know that that parent's not there physically to see you.
1: I have two really good dance stories to tell you. Please do. (laughs) Um, The first one is um, my very first year of dance. My dad was like, oh, no, like, don't put her in dance. Like, she's going to be a softball player, and I – was not having it with softball. I was like, I'm not doing that, daddy. So mom put me in anyways, and my dad went to my first recital, and at the end of the dance, all of the um, little girls shuffled off one side of the stage. And when you look up, all you see is one girl going off the wrong side, and it was me. And my dad <laughs> said, look, Iris is the only one that's doing it right. You know, <laughs> trying to like, you know, tell me how good I was. And so she was like, you were the only one who did it right, Iris, you know, trying to make me feel better, because I went off the wrong side of the stage. Um, that was the first story, and um, also, the year that my dad passed away, Miss Dana was going to do a father and daughter dance, you know, when the da- when the dads come on stage with the daughters and stuff, and I remember, like, my dad not being able to come to the practices because he was sick, and then he ended up passing away that year, so she um, redid everything in the dance and ended up dedicating it to my dad, and she dedicated the recital to my dad that year, and... um they came on stage and gave me flowers and I watched that video a couple weeks ago and I just like bawled because you can tell like in the video I didn't know why they were giving me flowers. I didn't know why they gave me a standing ovation. You know it didn't really click to me why they were doing that and now I'm like oh Miss Dana was so amazing for doing that for me back
0: then. So yeah,
1: That's really (laughs) sweet.
0: Now, after your dad died, I remember you telling me that there was another incident that happened in your family, and that was really hard to take, too, so tell me about that.
1: Um, three months later, my mom's mom passed away also to cancer, and um, by the time that we knew that she had it, there was nothing that we could do to um, stop it, and it just came so fast, and yeah, she passed away in January. That's such a short
0: period of time. Three months. Yeah. It was
1: it was really hard, honestly. Like I still say I still tell my mom to this day, I don't know how you did it. Like, you know, I don't know how you were able to do that. And she says it was by the grace of God that she's able to be who she is today after all that happened. Have you ever found yourself being mad at God for what happened? Um, at first because my dad was he was a preacher like he was a a really great person and I was just like how like why did someone so amazing you know have to go through everything that he did but um you know as I got older I just realized like my dad was like I've never seen someone so at peace on their deathbed in my entire life you know and he was at peace because he knew he knew that he lived his life and he lived a great life and he lived his legacy and he left behind so many amazing things and he's helped so many people and like you know he wasn't scared you know he he was so relaxed and you know that's why you know I just let all of that go all of that doubt and all that anger go because seeing my dad like I just saw how okay he was with the whole thing and
0: it made me feel better that gave you peace yeah if you were sitting down with a little girl who had just lost her dad at six years old, what kind of advice would you give that little girl?
1: Um, I would tell her it was uh, that it's okay to cry, because when I was younger, when I would cry, since I was the baby, you know, when I would cry, my mom would start crying, and when I would cry, my brother would start crying, and I would feel so bad that I just stopped. I just stopped crying and I just bottled it all up and I wouldn't let those emotions out. But um, like I said, it caught back up with me later on in my life. um, All those emotions just started coming out when I was, I'd be in my college dorm room just crying and I'm like, what is going on? You know, and it was just all those, all that grief that I just never faced, you know, as a kid, I was facing it. You know at an older age so i would tell that little girl like it's okay get those emotions out cry it out you know understand what's going on and don't feel bad that you have to get that out you know it's okay to cry and i would tell her that she's beautiful because you know a dad always makes a little girl feel beautiful and always makes her feel like a princess and it's hard growing up not having someone there like your dad to tell you like hey like you're beautiful like you know you don't need anybody to tell you that you're beautiful just know that you're beautiful so i would tell her that
0: now what about dates who would come over to the house would your mom sit down with your dates like a dad would do and say okay iris's curfew is 10 o'clock 11 o'clock whatever and I expect her to be home by that time or yeah she definitely did she i remember the first time i ever brought a guy
1: over they sat on the porch and talked for two hours (laughs) so your date (laughs) ended up spending time with your mom and i was just pacing back and forth in the house like what is she saying (laughs) like i'm so scared but yeah she she always has the best intentions for me so she got him straight on the first day (laughs) so that was good that's
0: good definitely So throughout those years, you're growing up years, and I know you're 19 years old, but are there times that you can look back on and you just felt like God was with you? He was um, carrying you. He was encouraging you. Sometimes that's hard for people to understand because we can't actually touch God and feel him or hear him audibly. But can you look back at times in your life and you just know that God was with you?
1: Yeah, in my um, early years of high school, and I don't talk about this a lot, you know, but um, in my early years of high school, I was very depressed, and... Um, I was borderline anorexic at the time. I was extremely skinny, and it was because I wasn't eating and I wasn't taking care of myself because I was so sad. And I just remember thinking like, there's just like, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. Like I'm gonna feel like this forever. Like I just want to be happy. And and um. I know God stuck with me through the whole thing. Like, I know I would not be able to be here and be, like, the smiley, you know, excited girl that I am now if it wasn't for God staying with me through that whole thing. Because, you know, going through something like that at a young age is scary. And a lot of these kids don't know how to handle it, you know, so they think that they're alone and that they don't have, you know, anyone to talk to. But I knew I wasn't alone. I knew I had God with me. And I knew that... I was going to get through it and I did. I got through it and I'm so much happier now and I'm so much better and I'm a good weight, <laughs> you know, now. And, um, you know, I just hoped that I'm a good role model for girls out there, you yeah. know, that are so worried about their body image. And for a long time, I felt like I wasn't being a good role model because girls would look at me and say that they wanted to look like me and I was dangerously underweight and it was really bad and um now that I'm healthy like I just hope that I'm showing them what you're supposed to look like you know skinny isn't always the best you know and um just I'm gonna like tell everybody just the power of God and you know, I'm not too young to go through something like that. You know, everybody goes through things and sometimes people think they're too young to experience things like that, but you're not. You're going to go through things and God is there for you.
0: A lot of teenagers, I think, experience that. And that's one of those things that's just, it's kept in the closet. People don't talk about it. And so I really appreciate you bringing that out because I'm hoping that some young people who may be battling that same thing can hear you. What kind of advice would you give a young person who is struggling with an eating disorder?
1: Um, I would just tell them that just be happy in your own body, and you don't have to be skinny to be happy. Be happy with who you are. And um, don't start eating habits because they turn into eating disorders very fast. If you want to change how you're eating, change the way that you eat instead of how much you eat.
0: What kind of things can a parent look for if they suspect that their child may have an eating disorder?
1: Um, Just watch what they're eating. Watch how much they're eating if they're not finishing their food or skipping out on certain meals. Um, Also watch if they're starting to weigh themselves a lot or um, look in the mirror a lot more. Um, Those are just things to pay attention to, and if you notice it, always bring it to light and have a conversation about it because it will just help you better understand what's going on in your child's life.
0: And what does the future hold for you?
1: Um, I'm finishing up my sophomore year at University of West Georgia. I'm majoring in mass communications and minoring in psychology, and I hope to go straight back to school and get my master's right after and move to the Atlanta area to start my career. And my end goal is to be a TV host, talk show host. That's my
0: dream. (laughs) Well, you've done a great job today, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. If you would like to learn more information, you can go on our website at revealedpodcast.org. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and we would love to pray for you. You can contact me at Angie at revealedpodcast.org.